Welcome to Getting Common with Professor Carlos Chapman. Getting Common covers a variety of topics and features guests from business, law, politics, government, education, and some of the most insightful entrepreneurs. It's a refreshing, common-sense approach to some of the most important discussion points today. Now, here is your host, Carlos Chapman. I'm Carlos Chapman, your host of Getting Common. In my day job, I'm an associate professor at Washington and Lee School of Law, where I teach business law, including corporate governance and ethics, commercial law, including contracts, and I have a focus extensively on uh, personhood rights. The topic of today's episode is New Year, New You, Beyond Resolutions, and today I'm joined by my dear friend, Dr. Nicole Price-Swiner, who's known as Doc Swiner on social media. She's going to help us to set some realistic resolutions and hopefully to abandon the superwoman complex. Nicole, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> Upcoming. <laughs> and hello, Carlos. Hello, my friend, my fellow Dookie, uh, my, um, my author. Uh, yeah, we helped <laughs> Uh, to carry your beautiful words to the world, like as if you needed our help. But we helped to create the the wonderful book and books, hopefully more that are coming uh, to become a best-selling um, author. So I, I really, really appreciate you having me on. But um, as you mentioned, I'm known as Doc Swiner. I am here in Durham, North Carolina. I've been here kind of back and forth since uh, graduating from Duke and finishing medical school at home, coming back here to UNC Chapel Hill for residency, and then just kind of setting up my life and my work and my job and all that. But my daytime job is as a full-time family doc. So, you know, we were right before coming on talking about the um, burdens that we're <laughs> fighting with this whole COVID pandemic and trying to keep people happy and healthy and mentally stable throughout this craziness that we've all been living through the last 20 months. That's my day gig. Um, but at home and on the side, I've been doing more things with publishing through Swana Publishing Company with the help of, uh, you know, independent contractors like my husband, Rick Swiner, and putting on events. Um, of course, pre-pandemic, we were, you know, traveling and doing publishing retreats and doing women uh, or women's empowerment type self-care retreats called New Year, New You, um, which hopefully if uh, Omicron and all this stuff behaves, we'll be able to take to Cabo for the first time ever in February. Uh, and then I just started during the pandemic, I was kind of uh, inspired to start some things for more wellness uh, and well-being through Serenity Hydration and Wellness, where I do IV hydration here in North Carolina, where we can either come to you or you can come to me here at Durham Family Medicine and do vitamin, you know, replacement and, and hopefully make you feel good and, uh, you know, stay away from illness and all of that. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that, trying to seek balance or whatever that is in my life <laughs> <laughs> and to take care of two kids and a, and a husband at home too. Well, and that leads me to my next question. And, you know, before we even get into the discussion, you're all about abandoning the superwoman complex. I right. have my Doc Swiner superwoman planner. Yeah. Yes. And I want to know how do you do everything? Like mm -hmm. you've got a you've got a happy marriage, you've got fabulous children, you've got <laughs> what you. four businesses. <laughs> um, like you are just always doing the most and you always look <laughs> well rested and hydrated. That's funny. And so I want to know how you do it all. I tell you what, and people really probably think I'm corny for saying this, but God bless my husband. I mean, really, Mr. Swiner is like the bomb. Uh, and and uh, you know, I pray and hope that everybody has a partner, a friend 
a husband, a spouse, a woman, whatever in your life, just to help support your crazy dreams. I mean, he literally helps me to do the publishing stuff. And when I get home and have to take care of the kids, he's already there and making things happen and making things move. Um, so I really do give a lot of credit to him. And then, you know, the key to not being a superwoman is you can't do everything at once perfectly all the time. So even though it looks like I'm doing the most <laughs> and I'm a work in progress, <laughs> the reason I can preach this whole no superwoman thing is because I, I identify as a superwoman. Like, I don't know if it was Duke, Carlos. I don't know if it was our families that pushed us to say, you can do anything and everything, whatever you want, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were, we were born and bred to do these things and to feel like we can make things happen. Um, and then we have, you know, people that support us. I don't, I don't know if that's it, but being the type A person that I, I am, I guess I am, um, I have to sit myself down a lot too. So having a supportive partner, knowing that you can't get it all done all the time, every day and be perfect, sitting down and resting and carving out that time for yourself really, truly makes a huge difference. Now, I know you said you have a special announcement today. Uh, <laughs> I do. What, what is your additional, what else are you adding to your plate while, while not being a superwoman? Guess what? I'm subtracting. I'm going to, it's oh. a big, big subtraction. So first time saying it in public and there will be plenty of gnashing of teeth and tearing of clothes here in Durham, North Carolina, I'm sure, especially in my practice, but I'm leaving clinical medicine. Wow. <laughs> I'm making it happen. 2022 is the year to do it. And it, it's the biggest no superwoman move I think I've made since preaching this to the masses is really looking inward, looking at my schedule, looking at what makes me happy, looking what has really stressed me all the way out and has caused hair to fall out and some sleepless nights and, you know, palpitations, you know, really trying to focus and figure out what makes me the happiest and where I am the happiest. And it's no longer in clinic. Wow. It's no longer in clinic. Yeah. Wow. So 2022 spring, I'm going to be exiting clinical medicine. And then, you know, as a superwoman, I have to say, but what do you do instead? Right. (laughs) And what are you going to replace it with? Right. So, so, so I'm 43. I have an eight and 10 year old, uh, you know, children at home. And so I am constantly trying to figure out what works for me so that I can be more available to my family. So we can all be healthier and and happier together. And what I realized during this pandemic is that working from home makes me happy. Being home so that when the kids get home, I can, you know, if I feel like it, I can cook. (laughs) You know, I can plan a meal. I can be there for homework. I can laugh with my husband more and not be, you know, tired and not feel like talking when I get home because I talk all day in clinic to my patients all day long. And so when I get home, I have this amount of talking energy left and, and barely enough for my children, um, you know, to spend time with them, spend good quality time with them. So I want to do more from, so that means, and I, and I tried it, you know, I tried to cut back um, to telemedicine, you know, during the pandemic, we, we focused a lot on doing telemedicine from home instead of being inside the clinic every day. So I went down to two days uh, working from home telemedicine and three days in clinic. That worked for a little while, but the work, the, the, the load continued to be heavy. And I think it's different for me, particularly as a partner of a practice, you know, I'm, I'm one of the bosses. So it's not as easy for me to say, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to work, you know, one or two days a week. You know, I, I eat what I kill and I make money less. I have to pay the whole staff, pay for all their benefits, all that stuff before I take a check home. 
And things have really been hard throughout the pandemic. So it's hard for me to cut back and make the money that I need or want to make at, at the same time. So there was an imbalance there. So in order to cut back or in order to kind of do things differently and focus more on working from home with my other businesses, I had to, I had to step away altogether. Um, so, you know, there's a whole legal situation that I'll have to go through to sell my partnership and to, to uh, wow. gain another partner for the business. Got to go through that. But then I'm going to do, um, you know, a part-time gig uh, with utilization management from home. It's, you know, all f- fully remote um, and it's part-time. So I'll be able to do that. And then the rest of my energy can focus on the other businesses that I have and I can build that at home. So I'm excited about it. Well, I'm excited for you. And this just fascinates me because I think, you know, I've known that you've had a goal of, you know, doing more and being more, you know, outside of the clinic. And so the idea that you were able to bring this to fruition, obviously it didn't happen overnight, right? Obviously it wasn't an instant decision. Um, I'm impressed you're totally stepping back. I thought you're going to be like, yes, I'll manage it. And then... (laughs) You know, which meant you would slippery slope back into doing it again. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is what, right. Which is what we always do. So it's impressive that like you're committing to it. I have to to try something different. What I'm doing now is not sustainable. Um, And it's sustainable, but it's not made me happy the last 20 months. And I took a sabbatical. I did kind of a trial run um, in January where I just took the whole month off from clinical stuff. You know, I still did kind of my, my other businesses from home, but um, it was probably the happiest month of my life in a long time. Wow. Yeah. And so that was, it was revealing. That was enlightening. I said, you know what? I want to do more of that. I want to be mobile. I'm going to be able to pick up and go. I want to be able to set my own hours. I want to be able to say, okay, well, you know, if I want to make this amount of money then I'm going to work for this, these amount of days, but then I'm going to take off, you know, the rest of the time and, and running and being uh, a partner of a practice does not, it, it doesn't work well that way. Uh, all the time. And so this is, this is really the only way to do it. I, you know, I love what you're saying because it makes me realize like when I left the legal practice, everyone thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I always say is it's not that it doesn't work for anyone. It doesn't work for me. Right. Right. Like this, there, like I probably am as busy as I was. Yeah. I'm simply doing things that make me happier. Yes. Right. Yes. It's like, it. you're still working the same amount of time. It's the flexibility and the way to do what you find fulfilling. That's right. right? That's the difference. So yeah. that gets me into, we've said superwoman over and over again, and you've got your best selling books uh, about the superwoman complex. And then you also have your thinking about quitting medicine, like anthologies, <laughs> which this fits into, in which you weren't even one of the people quitting medicine at the time, right? When you wrote That's them. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what the superwoman complex is mm-hmm. um, and why you think we need to end it, why we need to stop trying to be superwomen. Yeah. So, you know, there are a couple of different definitions, you know, when you look it up, superwoman syndrome, the superwoman complex, the superwoman, black superwoman schema, uh, you know, my, my soror and colleague here, Dr. Cheryl Giscombe is like the guru of the black superwoman schema. And she's done many, you know, much research uh, and writing on it, but essentially it's the feeling and the burden of being everything to everyone and then leaving yourself last, which then causes multiple consequences with your physical health, your emotional health, your mental health, sometimes your financial health, I mean, causes all types of consequences. So focusing on self-care can be life-saving in many ways. And um, particularly right now with the pandemic, with all the chaos that's happening, 
looking inward and, and giving yourself permission to do what's best for you is um, an integral part of survival right now. So I'm, I'm trying to practice what I preach. And so the question I have is, how do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> right. How how do you go from, you know, thinking about quitting medicine years ago, developing all these side businesses and all these other things um, to, to ending up where you are now in 2022, making that decision? Like, how did you break up with the superwoman complex? <laughs> God, that's good. I mean, it took practice. You know, we were talking about saying no more, you know, before we started recording. It takes practice. Saying no is is not easy, especially if you are a go-getter like we are. Um, but really, truly paying attention to where and when you are your happiest. And that includes at work. That includes in relationships. Really feeling that energy and paying attention to it and feeling, you know, when you walk away from work or you walk away from dealing with that person, how do you feel? Do you feel like you are completely exhausted and spent or do you feel rejuvenated, energized, happy about, you know, the, the interaction? Does it make you happy? And if it doesn't, then you got to do something different. And that may take a while. That may not be something that can happen overnight. Like for me, I started talking and thinking about the superwoman complex after my first child. You know, she's 10 years old now um, at the recommendation, interestingly, of uh, a man in my life, my father. Uh, you know, who had been reading and hearing about women in the workplace and how we've been killing ourselves. And, you know, it probably has a lot to do with my mom and and how she um, had, you know, mental health issues and just kept going and going and going and self-medicating with alcohol. And, you know, then later, uh, you know, unfortunately succumbed to to those issues. Um, And I, I don't think he wanted me to end up in that, that same or on that same path. So, it took him, it took my husband, it took, uh, you know, loved ones around me to say, look, okay, so you're running this practice, you're married, you're taking, you're having a kid, you know, you really have to focus on what is going to work for you and your family. Like you can't kill yourself over work, come home and think you're going to be happy and take care of these people. You have to figure out how to take care of yourself. So it, it really does take some introspection. It takes, you know, I knew eventually I wanted to step away from medicine. I didn't know when I was going to make it happen. But I also knew I needed to pay the bills. So in order to do that, thankfully, this job gave me enough of the opportunities and flexibility to start some new things and put pieces in place so that I could be at this moment, 10 years later, saying, "Okay, now it's time to step away and see if what I've created for myself can be, you know, enough for us. And, you know, of course, with my husband working as well, working together to say, "Okay, well, this is this is what we want. This is the budget we want. How are we going to? make this happen together. So it's a process. It's not easy. Um, there will be guilt. There will be some sleepless nights as you're, like you said, working your four or five, six businesses all at one time, but you're, there's a goal that you're working towards. And the goal is to make life easier to make, um, to give yourself more control over your time and your energy, um, so that you can form the lifestyle that you want. Now you are a doctor. Mm -hmm. And so I would love for you to talk about what you see in clinic when women don't abandon the superwoman complex. Like what are the health impacts? And I I don't think we talk enough about how sick everyone often is. Like I have so many friends who are constantly tired, or like you said, your hair falling out. Like to me, when my hair starts falling out, that's when it's like, okay, it's time to step back. And I can't just take a, I can't just take a biotin. Like my hair fell is falling (laughs) out. 
Mm-hmm. So that is my external manifestation of stress is when yep. I start to get a little bald spot and it's like, yep. that's what I need. That's what I need to slow down. Mm-hmm. But what are other things you see, you know, in women, especially in your clinic, when you can tell that they're just, you know, running on all cylinders and need it's time to, to abandon the complex. All of the things, almost anything, almost any medical issue I can link with stress and almost in less than six steps, you know, when I'm, you know, pre-pandemic, when we were in person and doing our conferences and, and, you know, events, I would play this game called six degrees of separation from stress. (laughs) And I would say, name a medical disorder, name it. And I can link it right back to stress in less than six steps, anything, whether it be memory issues, memory loss, concentration deficit, high blood pressure, high sugars, weight gain, weight loss, sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, almost anything you mention, I can link back to stress and just doing too much. We all do it in some form or fashion. You know, and it's, it's fascinating because most doctors, when I go to the doctor, you know, if I walk in and say my hair is falling out, they will give me a pill. Mm. Or if my blood sugar is high, they will give me a metformin Mm. or, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever had a doctor other than you say, what is the stress like? Which is kind of why I'm sad you're leaving clinical medicine. But I, I hope that, well, my thought is that now that you're leaving clinical, you can be everybody's doctor. Yes. Um, kind yes. of like you are I just today. won't be in the clinic. I'll, from right. a wellness perspective, I'll be available to more people. <laughs> more yeah, people. because I've never had a doctor say, what's your stress level like? I've yeah. had a doctor say, you gained 10 pounds, you need to lose weight. I've never mm-hmm. had a doctor say, why'd you lose weight? Right. Right. And so, you know, what is it about? Is it is it the clinical setting or is it just the way medicine operates that no one thinks about stress at all? That's a good question. You know, I want to say in defense of my colleagues, I want to say that we are talking about it more and we are thinking about it more because many of us are going through stressful moments right now. Um, so if you're not seeing a doctor that talks about that and that cares about that, then find you someone that does. Because there, there is, there are some of us who are focusing a lot on that, um, number one. Number two, you bring it up. When you go to your doctor, say, hey, so I know my blood pressure is this, I know my blood sugar is this. I know you want to start me on this medicine, but can we first talk about how, like, I'm not sleeping well? <laughs> Let's talk about that mm-hmm. first. Because if you're not sleeping well, your cortisol level, cortisol level, which is a hormone, goes up. And all that stuff is out of whack or you can't lose weight. Or let's talk about how I have sleep apnea. And even though I feel like I'm sleeping for 12 hours, I'm not sleeping restfully. Um, And how can we fix that? So you also definitely should be your own advocate and say, hey, you know, I hate my job. You know, can we can I take some time off? Uh, During this pandemic, I have written the most letters for sick time, Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA, short term disability this has definitely been the time that I've done that. And I feel like that's been, uh, you know, that's been something I've been able to help my patients with is giving them permission and asking for that time off because things are crazy right now. And a lot of the majority of our stress comes from work. And so if you don't have the sick days or you feel like, you know, if you, even if you take a vacation, you'll come back and all this work will be piled up, you know, your doctors, your providers can be your advocates and write letters on your behalf to say, look, this person has to stop because their blood pressure is too high or their sugar is too much or whatever. Um, so you should, you know, definitely I encourage people to be their own advocate. Even if your doctor isn't bringing that stuff up, you can ask, you can talk about it. I would love to rewind on a point you just made because I don't think people realize that 
you can take FMLA leave before you have the heart attack. There you go. And before you have the stroke. Um, Cause that is definitely something I didn't know when I was mm-hmm. at the law firm, right? I just quit the job, but <laughs> maybe if I'd taken an FMLA leave, I would, would have stayed longer, maybe. right? Like it is, you know, and it's something I've learned, you know, since being on this side and, and being a professor of law that, wait a minute, I can take an FMLA, like it is, I am sick enough if I am so stressed out that my numbers are bad and off the chart. I am sick enough if I am not sleeping or if I am like, there's this idea that it needs to be chronic. Like you shouldn't take off till you have cancer or you shouldn't take off until you have the heart attack. But the truth is the way that you're living is going to give you the heart attack. Right. Um, So I I, I appreciate you mentioning that because I know that most people don't know. Right. It is that you can, yeah, you can step back and you can get paid while stepping back if you're at a job that has those benefits. That's right. So very, very important to know. Yeah. Or Um, if I want to add, or if you're taking care of a loved one with that issue. So if you are the primary caretaker of someone that has cancer or you're the primary caretaker of somebody that your mom just had a stroke. So you need to take off a couple of weeks to be with her for the hospital and rehab and all that causing you stress, causing you time off work, you can also take FMLA, F, FMLA because of that. It's family medical leave. So not only your medical leave, but also your family's medical leave. So that also, I think, is something that you can advocate on behalf of your yourself to, to get done. And I will say, you know, if your company does open enrollment at the beginning of the year or at some other time, look into those options too, because there are some like short-term disability that you can supplement Mm -hmm. or even long-term disability that you can supplement. And it doesn't cost as much as people think Mm -hmm. Um, that could let you have six months or a year off if you need it. Um, And I I tell my students this because so many of them are like, you know, my law firm gives me X maternity leave, but what if I need to be on bed rest? Um, And I use up all my leave on bed rest. I remind them that you can pay for, and there are outside insurance companies that do this too, where you can pay for some extra long-term disability support or some extra short-term disability support mm-hmm. so that it's not a financial burden. Because I think right. what stops so many people from actually taking off is fear that they won't have income. Correct. And fear that they won't have a job to come back to. Correct. Um, if they take off too much time. And so there are ways that you can support yourself and plan for that. Um, you know, not just old people get sick. Right. Um, exactly. And I don't think we think of that at all. I know, I know right. that I wasn't thinking that way when I was 25 and signing mm-hmm. up for things. And it took an external, you know, advisor to tell me you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And what do you do? That's right. That made me think about that kind of financial planning. That's right. right? And you yes. shouldn't feel guilty about it. It's not about being lazy and not wanting to work. It's about needing the time to rest. And you have to, you have to reframe that. Cause again, if you're a go-getter, especially if you know, you're, you're high income, making this good money, you know, reputation, all this stuff, everybody's depending on you. Listen, uh, one morbid example that I use, which is horrible, is if you drop dead today, they will, they will slide the next warm body right into your slot tomorrow. Like, let's be real, right? So mm-hmm. jobs are there, businesses are there to make money, and they need people to make the money. So if you're not there, somebody else is going to do it. So God bless you. Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself. Well, and, you know, my friend Tressy always says uh, the institution does not love you. Mm. Um, and remember that it's not capable of love. Like your job is not a human being. Your job you cannot it. give you love. The people at your job may care about you. Mm-hmm. The job itself does not have any love for you whatsoever. They have, wow. they have love for what you contribute. And when you think about it that way, 
it's like you are literally giving your life, your blood, your sweat, your tears, literally, literally to that institution that can't return that. And you're depriving the people who do love you of the affection and time that they need. That's good. Um, So Mm -hmm. just, you know, contextualize it that way. You know, so I always say when someone asks me to do something extra, that's not my job. I'm like, so you're going to take away, you're taking away part of my life. That's right. You are stealing part of my life force when you ask me to work for free and do something that is outside of my job description. Um, And has value, money value. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Money value, but, but time and life value. That's right. That's right. You know, it's, it's, I want the ability to do the things that don't pay me. Um, and, and not give more time to the thing that is supposed to be paying me, but isn't, you got it is the way that I think about it. So it takes a while to get here. I feel like that's my, in my wisdom in my forties, Yes, <laughs> this is where I've gotten. Cause in my thirties, I thought about it very differently. Um, of course. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. In my thirties, it was like, I will miss out on opportunities. Yeah. Go, go, and, go get it, get it, get it. Go get it. Yeah. And, and it's, and the FOMO is so real. Um, in your thirties where you're like, this person's on 30 under 30 and I wasn't, or this person's on 40 under 40 and I wasn't, Mm -hmm. and I'm not there because I went to sleep last night. (laughs) That is why I did not make that list. And that's just not the truth. Mm -mm. It's not. Um, and those lists mean, yeah, those lists mean nothing. Actually. I think, I feel like, you know, so many of my students are like my classmate made 30 under 30 already. And I'm like, I can't remember who made 30 under 30 when I was in my 20s. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. What does it do? It's a mar- <laughs> it's it's for marketing, right? Yeah. Like it's for you to go promote something and market something else, but it it doesn't define who you are as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are so obsessed with those lists. Um, and now I, I barely even notice who's on them. But I right. probably was equally obsessed when I was in my 20s too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think and that that I think you learn and adjust as you get older and wiser. The stuff that ma- mattered, tw- you know, 10 years ago to me, no longer matter. You know, I was talking and kind of introducing the uh, topic of leaving medicine to my partner um, and the business team who's, you know, their job is to watch the numbers and look at the finances and all that. And they, they're they like, all right, well, Dr. Swiner, if you don't feel like you want to do this anymore, you know, we definitely have to start interviewing for other folks that really want to get out there and work hard. And I was like, yeah, they were like, they said, we need, we, we need to find us another Dr. Swiner. Right. Cause they want me to, <laughs> they want to replicate me. And I was like, yeah, but make sure she's 10 years younger with no kids. <laughs> right. So she can get going and move and, and groove and make all the money. But then, you know, things change, you know, you, you get married or not, you get divorced, you have kids, you don't have, you know, things change and your, your motivation changes. And so, you know, and the, the other thing is, the good news is I can always go back. So if I, in a year or two, either I'm not making the money that I want to make or don't have the opportunities that I want or, or need, I can always go back to clinical medicine, you know, and you can always go back to that job. But if I want to work at Target, I can go work at Target for a, a year <laughs> and see what that feels like. You know, I just don't want to be, and I don't feel, I don't want any of us to feel stuck. Don't feel you know, stuck. What I think is interesting about what you said about your replacement um, is 10 years younger with no kids, because when Sheryl Sandberg's lean in book came out mm-hmm. and when some of the other things that people have have written came out, 
it was, yes, you can have kids and be a CEO and do this and do that. You just need like six nannies around the clock and you just, and you just need to only sleep four hours a night. And, um, you know, I'd love you to talk a little bit about like the acknowledgement that picking one thing means you have to give up something else, right? Mm -hmm. Choosing to raise your children properly yourself means that you can't be the old Doc Swiner in the clinic. Right. Um, and how did you come to that realization? Mm-hmm. And the misnomer, you know, shout out to my my uh, colleagues and, and women who don't have kids. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have extra time either, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've mm-hmm. had to correct myself with that many times and say, oh, okay, you know, you don't have kids, so you know you must have more time. No, that doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're right. You you definitely need your your team. You need the the support team. I have um in the planner that you pointed out, one of my favorite new additions is the self-care board. Yes. <laughs> your board of directors for your self-care and you need so you need the babysitter, the nanny, the chef, the personal trainer. You need all these support staff around your support staff, quote unquote. Meaning, you know, if you have a cousin, sister, or somebody who's willing to do that for you, then then God bless you. You can have that too. But we need we need assistance, and you can get these things done. You probably just can't do it by yourself. <laughs> you need somebody to help you. You need people to help you. So get your self care board of directors together, so y'all can so- y'all can do it. I am sitting here with this planner, which is uh, Doc Swiner's uh, No Super Winner Planner for 2022. And what's crazy, when I looked at the self-care board, it made me check myself because one of my personal goals, we're talking about goal setting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hiring more people to do things. Mm -hmm. I am outsourcing more, which is hard for me because I'm very type A. (laughs) And it is hard for me to let other people do things for me. But Mm -hmm. that was one of my goals in 2020. One that has been harder because of COVID, but that I'm working on. And it made me realize I was like, I don't have a chef. And, and, and what made, what it made me think about, I was like, well, I don't have a chef because I like to cook. Mm-hmm. And then the mental gymnastics I went through was you don't have a chef because you like to cook, but how often are you upset that you didn't have time to cook <laughs> or how often do like groceries go bad because you think you're going to have time to cook and you don't. And so it made me go through this whole like self-reflection process of, yes, I like to cook, but do I enjoy feeding myself every single day? Right. I actually, I actually don't. Right. <laughs> Nor do I have the time to do it. So right. why don't I have someone in this spot in my self-care board? That's um, right. and, and here's what I love about the self-care board and the planner. It's beauty, health, and mind and soul. And I think to me, when, when I think about what super women are and how we feel, the health one, we probably are fine with. Mm-hmm. The beauty and mind and soul with most super women will think that's a luxury and that's frivolous, mm. right? The idea that you have a regular cosmetologist, a regular spawn and esthetician, a regular massage therapist, that that is every, that is somebody who you go to, who's your go-to person every month. Mm-hmm. So many, I have so many friends who are like, what do you mean you get massages all the time? Like, what do you, like that feels like this crazy indulgence to not just put the healthcare stuff first, mm-hmm. but the beauty first, the mind and soul first as well. And I think yeah. we have to, you know, we think we have that's to stop judging, stop judging each other for doing stuff that makes us feel good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you're, and you're right. Like I, look, I went through that too. And that was, that was feedback that I got, uh, you know, early on, as I started talking about this stuff, you know, 10 years ago was, you know, or I can't afford it. That's just not in my budget. And I get it. 
Um, you might not be able to do it every month, but you certainly can trade out some things that you're doing and exchange and do that. You certainly can find someone to meal prep a couple of times a month. You know, even if you don't have a chef, quote unquote, coming into your house like the Real Housewives and, you know, doing a dinner party every week, you certainly can find someone that can do a meal prep a couple of times a month and save you some money. If we're probably for less money than you're spending on fast food and restaurant food. Certainly you can do that. They're all over social media now. They ship. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no excuse, you know, massage envy and other types of chains. Now you can do memberships for 30 to $50 a month to have a free massage every month. You, you can swap out something that you're doing and spending unnecessary money on. You can stop buying coffee every day for a month and save how much money, you know what I'm saying? Like you can, you can stop smoking. Hello, quit smoking and spending $7 per pack every day and see how much money you'll have at the end of the month so that you can meal prep. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we have to be real with ourselves and look at the budget and some things you may have to cross out or give up or, you know, do January, February, March, and then the rest, you know, for do quarterly. Um, so it makes sense for you, but these things definitely will reduce stress. And like I said, stress, I can link to almost any medical condition you can name, even cancer and dementia related to stress. Wow. Some of these things that we do to self-medicate that are harmful to our bodies, we need to check and swap out and exchange for a massage so that our bodies can feel better. We, you really do have to be honest with yourself. You know, I, I love what you're saying about budgeting because uh, even just the meal prep one, Um, you know, you could do the factor 75 and the, you know, all those different meal prep kits. And I started doing one of them. Daily harvest is the one that I've, I've done Uh most often because it's vegetables. And I, if I'm going to cook, I don't cook enough. I don't eat enough vegetables. So Mm -hmm. that was one of my ideas for getting more vegetables in. But what it made me realize is I was spending so much buying groceries that I throw away and then getting a last minute meal, combining those two things was far more than I ever spend on the subscription service. Yep. Exponentially more because, yep. you know, you order the Uber Eats at the last minute and there's the $20. Those fees. Yes. The yep. Uber Eats fees and the, or the DoorDash fees. Yep. Uh, and then, like I said, combined with buying groceries that you throw away versus yep. like thinking about it in advance and saying, okay, my lunches are daily harvest or my breakfast are daily. So I only need to, to do these meals mm-hmm. or... I only need to cook on weekends or I, you know, so I think it's important to know that some of these things we think of as luxuries actually aren't even luxuries. They're cost savings, right? Which helps you to stay home and not be in the streets and not be tired as much, right? It's less work. Um, So, so consider, you know, consider doing some of these things. I also think when it comes to one reason I get massage, massage keeps me out of the doctor's office. That's right. Massage is my medicine. It really Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. It it does. It does. And you know, I think about your bar tab. Although I'm guilty, (laughs) (laughs) I am guilty of turning up the bar and dropping the credit card, Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about it later because I had a bad week, and so we're just going to turn up tonight. You can do that Um, too. It's fine. Sometimes you can. It's just when it's all the time. um, (laughs) you, You know, your bar tab budget you know, could be four or $500 in a month. And you don't even, right. don't even realize it. It is painful. pandemic. Those date nights. Sometimes they're like, wait a minute. Okay. We need to find somewhere else to go for date night. Cause we, this bar is too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or just being like, I'm gonna go out 
Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and you're like, did I spend a hundred dollars at the bar every single time? Because now I'm in right, because I'm in my 40s. I can't drink the bottom shelf anymore. <laughs> no, we can't drink that. So, you know, that's that's your chef money. That's, that's your right. massage money. That's your personal trainer money. Maybe you don't need to turn the club up as often <laughs> if you do the self-care stuff. That's like, right. Right. So we, we've been talking that about the planner good. back and yeah, we've been talking about the planner back and forth. Um, I admitted before we got on air, um, and feel free to judge me, everybody, that I am a two to three planner at a time person. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because I have this planner that is my life planner that has my self-care and and my appointments and my bills. And just like global, what days I'm at work and what days I'm occupied. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I have my electronic calendar that other people can put things on. Um, And then I tend to have like a writing class calendar that's like specifically appointments with students, uh, writing schedules. Like, you know, I'll usually that has note pages in the back where I do long range planning. Yeah. What inspired you to design this life planner? Just, I think you're right. So we all, most of us have two and three different places that we put all of our notes and stickies and reminders. And I also use the phone. You know, my phone has reminders in it and all that. I just wanted something that was, even though it's pretty thick, it's cute. You know, I, I like the color scheme. You know, personally, I like the color scheme. You can use your colored markers and, and crayons and, and make it look, or put, use stickers. I like to put stickers in mine and make it look cute. So it's just like that one place to put everything as much as you can. Again, it's, it's really more for your life. And then you can do something separate for work. Um, and then I, you know, just kind of looking around, most of my ideas comes from inspiration from my colleagues. You know, I'm looking around and seeing what my colleagues are doing. A lot of us in the health and wellness realm are creating tools and resources for people to use. You know, I also, you know, have candles and t-shirts and oils and all that. So I was like a planner just kind of naturally goes with, um, you know, the things that I, I think about in terms of making life easier. And so how can I put it together in one piece and give it to people so they can use all the things that I try to use in one in one place. And so that's where I, I was motivated to do that. So this is this is our third uh, iteration of the planner so far. And, you know, you've not only got this self-care board, which one of my tasks is to fill this in. Like mm-hmm. I need to, I need to have regular people in my self-care board. That's yes. on my, that's on my new year, new you resolution, Good. in my self-care board, but you've got, you know, like a bill tracker and, but you've got grocery lists and goal setting mm-hmm. and like reflections for gratitude, you know, weekly gratitude reflections. Um, and, and so to me, I like that that it's it's mind body spirit it's mm-hmm. it's all of the things in one planner, and, and then the other thing that for me because um, I actually got it mid year you sent me a sample mid year last year, mm-hmm. um, and, and for me what really helped about the planner is the way that you break out the day, mm-hmm. um, and so I'll you know hold it up for folks who yes you may not be able to see it well, um, but you've got personal work and home. Uh, which goes back to our superwoman conversation and our like how to and our next thing we're going to talk about, which is how to say no better. For me, what I like about this planner and what it kind of has helped me to do in checking myself when I can't talk to Nicole, because sometimes I'm like, Nicole, I'm a hot mess. Help me. Um, and she's like, girl, sit down. And I do. Um, or go take a bath or, so, you know, that's what Nicole, so many of our conversations are like, are you sleeping? Have you taken, take a bath? Like, that's a lot of my conversations with Nicole. But you've got personal work and home. And for me, what is interesting is they're equal thirds in the planner. 
Mm-hmm. And what makes me check myself is when the work one explodes into wow. the personal and the home. Look at that. That wasn't even intentional. That's great. <laughs> well, and because yeah. it's it's a visual subconscious cue. It's like, why is personal and home blank? And why is work like an arrow with a post-it on the side? Mm-hmm. That is filling out. Why do I have nothing in personal for weeks on end? Mm-hmm. But, and why have I not booked my housekeeper? Because I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but work is busting out. Like that kind of helps me to know when I need to check myself, right? Yeah. That helps Imbalance. me to balance. You're unbalanced. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Totally unbalanced. Cause at the least I should be writing in, you know, a Pilates class or a walk or some sort of exercise and personal, um, something should be going there every single day, a meditation yeah. or, you know, talk to a friend, something should go in personal every day. We should not That's be right. divorcing ourselves from the personal in order to do the work. You got right? it. We shouldn't be you doing got it. That. So I need help with this. Um, And I feel like every time I talk to you, we're going to have this conversation. Uh A major part of managing superwoman complex is saying no. How do you say no? What do you pick? And how do you make a no stick? Because I think what happens to us as women, I can't tell you how many, and I'm I'm, I'm big on no as a complete sentence. I said no. Mm -hmm. And then somebody comes back and they come back again. Yeah. And they come back again. Like I have an email in my inbox right now. And I essentially said no two weeks ago and they sent me a follow-up yesterday. And I actually sat yesterday and thought, well, you know what? If I just work really hard tonight and tomorrow, I and I was like, wait, wait, wait. No is a complete sentence. You said mm-hmm. no two weeks ago. And I had to check myself. So how do you say no and make it stick? And then how are you picking what to say no to? Yeah. It's hard. It takes practice. Um, It's not easy, especially if you, um, you know, like are type A like us or you want to or, you know, you happen to be a people pleaser or you just want to make people feel good. And, you know, you want to do things because, you know, it's it's you know, you have the ability or you have the money that, uh, you know, uh, available to do certain things. But you're just, you know, when you say yes to things and you're putting yourself on other people's schedules and volunteering your time out, just know that you're taking away from your time and your energy and your family's time and energy every time you do that. So it has to be worth it for me. It has to be worth it. And it's not easy. You're right. And today I might say no, but then again, two weeks later, when I feel like I have enough time, energy, mental space, maybe I'll say, you know what, you know, I do have time for that. Or I do, you know, I didn't last month when I was, you know, going through my transition out of work, but in March, when I'm out of the clinic, you know, let's circle back, you know? So no may not always be a complete sentence, meaning no, never, but it may mean no, not right now. And I think it's okay to give yourself permission to say, okay, let's come back to this in the new year. You know, there's there's all things, all types of things on social media right before Christmas hit talking about, you know, people who are like, Ooh, you know, right before Christmas. Oh, I have this wonderful idea. Let's do this and do that. And you know, you know what? We're winding down for the holidays. Let's circle back in January. You know, mm-hmm. let's come back to it. So, you know, no can mean not right now. And you can always come back if you if you feel like you have the time or the energy for it later. So that's number one. Number two, I always, you know, if I get a text, uh, it, one thing that I do have, uh, I've been trying to work more on is cutting off my work time. You know, when does my workday stop? Ooh. 
And it's hard because not only do it, you know, I have this day gig, right? My nine to five, but then I have these five to nines or whatever, you know, these other jobs that the and businesses that I'm building. And so people will text or email me at all times of night or send me a DM in my social media all times of night. And I may not always have my do not disturb on. You have to be committed and you have to, to commit to yourself to say, okay, after 6 p.m., I'm not going to answer these emails. And you just, you just don't. You don't. <laughs> Same thing with phone calls. If you're calling me after a certain time and either I'm tired and I don't feel like it, or I'm with my children or my husband, or I said, you know what, tonight I'm stopping at 7 p.m., I'm not going to answer the call. And you have to commit to that. Yeah. I am writing practice. down stop time. I do not have a stop time. You have to have a stop time. And I, I absolutely don't have a stop You time. of all people. I'm sure people are calling <laughs> you all the time and trying to get oh, you yeah. to be on different, TV di- and interviews. and Different time zones. and Yeah. yeah. You yeah. have to say, not, or you have to say, you know what? Tuesday, such and such, I'm, I'm not going to work on this day. So I'm either going to put my email notification on or I'm going to turn my phone off. That would be hard. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you have to commit. So if you set the rules, you have to commit to it. Wow. That blew my mind. Cause I was like, stop time. What is mm-hmm. that? Yeah. After, <laughs> is- after, yeah. So before, if you text me, so let's say it's a friend that needs something just kind of, you know, uh, I, I don't like talking on the phone, you know, I'll do it if I have to, but I don't like, I'm a texter and an emailer. So I feel like I can multitask better if I'm mm-hmm. texting and I can look at my child or whatever. Um, instead of you having me hemmed up on the phone for an hour talking about nonsense. So I hate talking on the phone. If people call me before eight o'clock in the morning or text me before eight o'clock in the morning, I try my hardest not to return the text or not to pick up the phone call because then that teaches people that they can contact you at any time. Same is true for after hours. If you know you text me and it's not something important or it's about a patient situation that's not life or death that I can do at 8 a.m. the next day, I try my darndest not to answer because as soon as you answer, that teaches people that it's okay to do that from on, from here on out. And so you have to set the boundaries. It's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. I don't like talking on the phone either. There are people Mm. who I do talk on the phone with because they understand that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they know that if I'm talking on the phone, it's because I am doing laundry or cooking or like, it's how I occupy myself when I'm doing physical activities. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, they know that sometimes I I will not answer the phone because I'm not doing something that enables me to talk, but everybody doesn't understand that they want you to pay. If you need me to pay hundred percent attention to you on the phone, I'm not the one. Yeah. Let's Never. just schedule, let's schedule a lunch. Let's meet up for dinner. I would rather take, have conversations face to face because then I can really pay attention to you. But if I'm tired after work or my kids are in the car talking or, you know, something else is happening, I don't want to talk on the phone. I will tell people to jump on my Calendly like a student, like yes. truly, I will tell friends to jump on my Calendly. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. If they need an, if like, if you need a dedicated, like actual conversation <laughs> where I have to pay attention to just you, mm-hmm. Like, I need you to schedule that like, like the students do or like anybody else. That's okay um, too. Yeah. Cause it's, I just know myself. I'm too, yeah. one, I'm too ADD and I have too much going on. And the chance, if you call me with a life crisis, I can't guarantee that I'm, a, I can't. <laughs> like, I might be like typing a paper. Listen, know thyself. Know thyself. Yeah. The other, the other important thing I learned about myself is I have, I, I know what, what time of day I have the most energy. Right. So from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., sweet spot. So, 
you know, heavy work I do early, you know, once I've had my coffee, I wake up like 10 o'clock. Well, no, I wake up like seven, but once I'm, I'm awake, awake, it's usually about 10 a.m. I've, I've actually looked at the, the clock, you know, to, to see when it was like peaking. So I, I try to schedule my heavy work early. And then after lunch, I start kind of, you know, tapering down on things, you know, do the easier things when you don't have as much energy. But by three o'clock, I'm pretty like my, you know, my, my, uh, I don't know, my timer, my clock is usually um, running out of energy. So I usually try not to do too many things. I really take a lot of focus and energy after that because I'm tired. Yeah. For me, <laughs> Except it's, but for it, you, Carlos, for you tonight, <laughs> well, this I mean, is a fun. special exception. Well, this is fun. This isn't work, right? right. I, you know, I would say for me, it's, I, I realize it's not even that it's tired. It's that I've been doing the same thing. Like I have mm-hmm. a hard time doing the same thing for a lot, a lot of time. So I've got to switch my tasks throughout the day. Um, so I could work a 12 or 14 hour day um, easily if you don't make me sit at a desk mm. or if you don't tell me that I have, but if I have to like sit at an office at a desk, not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. same kind of 10 to three max and maybe 10 to three. If I take an hour lunch, <laughs> like right. You know, the lunch, you know, the lunch is key. Yeah. I got to have the lunch, the lunch break. Right. But if I'm mm-hmm. working at home and I can control my own time and all that, like it's almost exponential and, and unlimited how much time I can work yeah. if I am in control of myself. Yes. Um, and so some of that was deciding to switch jobs because obviously you can't practice law <laughs> from 10 to three. Exactly. You've got to practice law all day. So that clearly didn't work for me. Now, Same with medicine. That's why I'm making the switch. Now I will say, I, don't, I think we're a little behind schedule, but it's okay. Uh, my last thing is before we get into actual setting healthy goals and like what our resolutions are, how do you deal with the FOMO? Cause I, you know, I think so a uh, fear of missing out for those who mm-hmm. aren't, you know, up on what the kids on social are saying. media. <laughs> But, you know, like, you know, the social media or even just like looking at other people win awards or looking at other people publish things or um, and, you know, there are definitely moments when it's like you, you're you not there because you said no. And it's like if you hadn't said no, you'd be at this event right now or you'd be in you know, you would have written this article or you'd be in this this journal. Um, and I've gotten better about it because now when I'm saying no, I am affirmatively overbooked and there is something else that will replace it. It just hasn't dropped right. yet. Right. But for, you know, the folks who aren't in their 40s yet, the folks who are in their 30s and trying to not get as into the superwoman complex as we previously were, you know, how did how should they deal with the FOMO? Like, what, what do you do to to like let that go and just be content with yourself? Mm-hmm. That's hard. I still deal with that too. Um, you know, I'm, I throw events and been writing these books, but I, you know, I see what my peers are doing. Um, and I kind of, you know, you try not to compare, but that's human nature. You know, well, you know, am I doing enough? Is, is my event going to be that spectacular? Are my pictures going to be that pretty when they come? You know, we, we all do it. Um, a lot of that does come with age. You care less as you get older. I think in your forties, you definitely kind of hit that you know, effort phase where you're like, eh, whatever, I'm, I'm me, I do me and, you know, I'm fabulous and, and it is what it is. Um, so with time, it, it does uh, get better, but I, I am a sensitive person. So it does, you know, FOMO still gets me from time to time. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's okay to let yourself have those moments, let it motivate you to do greater. Um, but don't feel like you have to be at everything. You also, and this is again, a credit to my husband. Uh, he says, you have to let people miss you sometimes. Let them miss you. Because if you're around all the time, then you just become part of the background. You're always there. People get tired of seeing you in all the pictures. 
let them miss you a little bit. And I had to learn that with like posting, you know, mm-hmm. so every, you know, when I was first trying to really, really get a whole bunch of followers going, I would post you know, two or three times a day and all that. But now as you know, I think about, I think, why am I doing this? Why am I posting? Why am I going to this event? What, what's the point? What is it worth me? Is it, is it, you know, am I gaining followers? Am I earning money? Like, what is it really worth for me to be here and be there and post all the time? And after a certain, you know, after you reach a certain goal, you say, okay, well, I wanted to, you know, get more exposure because I'm going to do more speaking engagements. So I want to gain more publishing clients. Once you've done that and attained that, you're like, okay, well, I can fall back a little bit. I don't have to be everywhere. I, don't, I can post every two or three days, let people miss me, and then come out with a bomb professional headshot, you know, the next time I post. And everybody's like, yay, you know, <laughs> we haven't yeah. seen you in a while. Yeah, this looks nice. So let them miss you a little bit. You know, that actually helps with engagement and exposure. And that's a good way to, to segue to our closing, which was kind of what we came here today was talk about goal setting and realistic <laughs> goal setting. Uh, but, you know, I personally don't make resolutions anymore. I try mm-hmm. to, you know, have kind of long term goals um, and things. I, I, I check goal setting periodically so that I'm not abandoning by February 1st. Yeah. But for folks who want to set some goals and have some resolutions for 2022, what tips do you have for, for setting realistic goals to have the new year and new you in, in, in 2022? Yeah. So, right. Instead of like making a list of resolutions, just do an assessment, do a check-in and say, am I happy with how the last year went and what things could I change? What things should I change? How could I change them? It could be one thing. Uh, you know, for me, it's the job, you know, it's my career, you know, I'm not happy in clinical medicine. So what am I going to do differently? How am I going to attack that? Um, and you don't have to give yourself a a deadline. You don't have to say by March the 1st, it, this has to be done. You can say this year, I want to focus on more self-care. This year, I want to focus on a career change that's going to make me happier where I can work less and still make the money that I need and want. Um, so don't make a list. Don't say you're going to lose 10 pounds by such and such date. Say, I want to make sure that what I'm doing every day is making me happy. And if it's not, this is the one change I'm going to make. And wow. I think that's easier to stick with. I love that. You know, mm-hmm. what I am doing does, is what I'm doing, making me happy. You know, uh, end of year self-assessment. I feel like you should drop one of those, Nicole. Like, do you have a okay. form? I don't know. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> like, no, I need a, I need a form. Cause you know, a new uh, year self-assessment. Yes. Mm, that's okay. what I need. Okay. I'm gonna work yeah. on that. I want to write that down. The, I, the idea of happiness as the focus instead of, cause you know, maybe 10 pounds would make you happier. But you need to do the full self-assessment of, of what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Well, Yay. this this hour went so fast because this is what happens when I talk to Nicole. Just right? talking. Yeah. <laughs> just talking. <laughs> uh, and so I want to just thank her for being here and for helping us, you know, to abandon the superwoman complex. I, I think you have inspired me. You shocked me with saying you're quitting clinical medicine. And, and what I find interesting about my shock is the superwoman complex of what are you replacing it with? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm replacing it with happiness. And I was like, whoa, yay, (laughs) mind blown. Because that's what we all should be doing. We all like Mm -hmm. our goal should be like, let's replace what makes us unhappy with happiness. Now, if you want to find Doc Swiner, she is at Doc Swiner everywhere. Uh, 
You can find her books on the Superwoman Complex on Amazon. You can also find all the other Swiner Publishing Company books on Amazon. This episode, it will be available on Voice America, iTunes, Spotify, and the YouTube channel Getting Common. And I will remind you that you can, you know, subscribe to and record and, and get the automatic updates of these things so that you don't have to check in. This time next week, we're going to have an exciting episode. I am going to have Professor Eleanor Brown of Penn State and Dean Kimberly Mutcherson of Rutgers. And we are going to talk about Amy Comey Barrett's adoption of her Black children, the legacy of transracial adoption, and why her comments that she's made have not been so innocent, like why that attaches to the legacy of slavery and Mm. what that means for someone who's on the Supreme Court to have those views. Feel free to send me emails to the show page or reach out to me on social media. I'm at Carla C. Thank you all for listening and I will see y'all all next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Getting Common with Professor Carlos Chapman. Please join us again next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thoughtful discussion.